Francis here, and you're in for another episode of Buy Pumpkin. Listen, it is after midnight on the day this is supposed to uh, publish, and I have recorded more than one episode tonight because my time management skills are bullshit. <laughs> so um, if you listen to the bonus episode, the last John and Kate plus eight bonus episode, I just finished recording that and now I need to record the main episode so it can be up on time. Oh, and if you're not a Patreon supporter, you're not going to get that episode. Guys, you got to be a Patreon supporter. Um, it's a buck a month. Um, you get at least one bonus episode every month, but right now you're getting a ton. I did a RuPaul's Drag Race episode. I did a Princess Diaries episode where I talk about what's going on right now with me. Um, I'm still on my John and K Plus 8 series, but it's almost over. I'm going to do an Insecure episode uh, this week. I'm going to do a Bad Girls episode next week with Tomlin. I'm going to do... There's somebody trying to negotiate a Mobwise episode right now. There's someone, what other, what other show? Somebody else was, was trying to do a show that I really, really fucking like. But I forgot what it was. There's so many shows. There's a ton of bonus episodes, guys. And like tomorrow, um, in the middle of the day, I'm going to record Liz and we're going to do the last John and K Plus 8 episode. Like... Or the last John and K Plus episode in the series, not the last episode of the of the show. But yeah, there's a ton of content. It's a buck a month. Go to buy... Mm, I do this every time. Go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Sign up. No brainer. You're going to be supporting this podcast and making sure I get to make new episodes. Um, if you can't join the Patreon, make sure you leave me a five-star review. The other buttons don't work. Only five stars. <laughs> help other um listeners figure out where they want to be and that's here um i've actually gotten a lot of patreon supporters in the last couple of days um i don't know if that's because they feel guilty about black people but i hope you stay feeling guilty and stay a member (laughs) no i i mean however you get here I'm, I'm getting a lot more listens, and maybe that's because a lot of people are shouting me out, because people are shouting out black creators. That's great. I'm happy to have you, however long you're going to be here. Um, I hope that you stay after you stop feeling so guilty about not knowing many black people. Um, <laughs> put that in your review. <laughs> uh, usually, I also mention that you can follow me on um, Instagram and Twitter right now. My Instagram and Twitter are um, private because I have to testify in a couple of weeks. I don't want anybody interrogating me about my Chipotle consumption. <laughs> so they're private for right now, but it's okay then princess at on Instagram and Twitter. And eventually they won't be private anymore. Um, but you can follow the show at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. So yeah. That's all the like the business I have to tell you. Oh, guys, guys, I am listening to Bobby Brown's audiobook. So I have been on a Whitney and Bobby Brown journey. First of all, I'm always on a Whitney and Bobby Brown journey. I can talk about Bobby Brown all fucking day. Bobby Brown thinks he had sex with a ghost. He bought an, a house. The property he bought in, in Atlanta used to be owned by like one of the biggest porn um, 
distributors in in the world and and um literally his brother took a cab to this new house and the cab driver said that he used to drop people off of this house all the time and that one time he came up there and he dropped someone off and there was a man raping three women on the um, lawn and Bobby says well he said there was a man having sex well actually what he said was the man was raping three women and didn't they just let that go and keep it moving like but anyway in this house he says a white woman ghost <laughs> um guys <laughs> a white woman ghost came down from the ceiling got on his dick and rode him <laughs> I can talk about Bobby Brown all day but <laughs> but um Troy is doing a series on Dunzo Podcast, which you obviously have to know. You can't know who the fuck I am if you don't know who Troy is. Um, Dunzo Podcast, he's doing a series on Bobby and Whitney and Robin Crawford. And that led me to finally listen to Robin Crawford's book, which was really interesting. Um, she read her own audiobook, which people shouldn't do unless they're a voice performer. And it was terrible. But I was not fucking prepared for Bobby Brown's audiobook. Bobby Brown's audiobook sounds like he never even saw these words before. Now, I have used the word illiterate when it comes to Bobby Brown. But I'm not saying that in like a I'm downing you because I can read and you can't kind of way. I'm saying that in a truthful way because Bobby Brown stopped going to school when he was like 14 years old. Bobby Brown was on... Bobby Brown... (laughs) had a record deal at like 12 and he was bit, he was on the road from 14 on and he stopped going to school very early and there he they talk about all the time how new edition would go on the road during the school year they would go on the road on the weekends they would they're from boston um i don't know if i've told you guys this i'm sure i've mentioned it i talk about it all the time boston is the scariest place on earth the scariest person on earth is a white man from Boston. Because they don't give a fuck. They will burn your fucking house down. For no fucking reason. They'll burn it down if they like you. Boston. Mark Wahlberg. Please don't tell, tell him I'm talking about him. He's fucking scary to me. Donnie's a little less scary. But he's a white man from Boston. So I don't know. I I, I watch I watch my P's and Q's around them type of people. But anyway. They're from Boston, and what they would do is they would the they would go on tour every week, and they'd go to New York and all kinds of places that are drivable on a tour bus that would pick them up from the fucking ghetto, drive them around. They would perform, make no money, and the tour bus would drop them off in the ghetto in front of their school on Monday morning. Like so, the fact that Bobby Brown reads like he's never seen letters before. Makes perfect fucking sense to me. But I don't, whoever produced this audiobook needs to be jailed. Because after they heard him reading, he doesn't emphasize the right things. He, like I said, he's reading it like, like you ever pick up a note from someone and you're reading it aloud and, and you read it and you're like, and you don't pause in the right place, but you go back and correct yourself. Bobby never corrects himself. It is excruciating. 
Thank God he has such good fucking stories. Thank God he has such good stories. Because otherwise I have to throw this down. I was listening to it. I was doing my hair one night or the last couple nights I had done my hair at some point. And so my husband was asleep in the room or not asleep, but he was kind of like on his way to going to sleep. And I had it playing on my phone, just sitting on the, on the counter in the bathroom. And he goes, what are you even listening to? And I was like, I'm listening to Bobby Brown. And he's like, why does it sound like he can't read? It's terrible. Fucking terrible. Oof, but I've been listening to it nonstop. Uh, Robert, I, I don't remember what, I think Robin Crawford's book's called A Song For You, um, Whitney and Me, or something like that. It was really good, um, believable, okay? Um, yeah, super good. And Bobby's book is good, too. <laughs> if you, if you guys have seen, the, New Edition has a biopic that's really fucking good. It's like, I want to say it's like six hours long. <laughs> but it's so fucking good. They got great actors to play them. It's so fucking good. Black Twitter was all a Twitter when it was on. Like, we were just like out there. And then what they, I maybe it's produced by the same people, but Bobby Brown has a biopic too. And the same person who played him in the, in the new edition biopic played him in the in his biopic and that was really good it was based on this book it was really really good i've talked about this before not on this podcast in i want to say that i believe bobby brown believes what he wrote in his book now i'm not someone who believes bobby brown got whitney hooked on drugs the fact is according to bobby brown he didn't even drug so he got to the 30 days before he got married when his, when Whitney told him to get it all out of his system and he went on, he just got a private plane and flew from place to place fucking women. He talks about having sex with a little person. You can't see me. I'm just blinking. <laughs> but anyway, um, he says that's the first time he did um, cocaine. But Bobby, I feel like the thing about Bobby Brown is Bobby Brown has always been a wild guy. And there's just no way that Whitney Houston married him. You know what Whitney Houston was? Whitney Houston was a Denise Richards. And I call people a Denise Richards when someone's like kind of like low-key and and very down to earth and normal, but all the people there date are real fucking crazy. And what you have to say to yourself is. How does a Denise Richard find a Charlie Sheen? Yes, maybe he was sober when she met. That's that's the story. And they only were dating. They only were together for like two years or whatever. But the fact is, there's something about it. Like a Heather Locklear. A Heather Locklear with your Charlie Sheens and your Richie Samboras and your... Um, what's the dude that gave Pamela Anderson Hepsi? What's his name? Tommy. Tommy. Um... Sure, you're America's sweetheart. But the fact is, based on the dick you're chasing, I'm just saying there's something underneath those layers. And if you checked out um, Heather Locklear lately, you know. Wow, I am talking about some old people. Anyway, 
um, Whitney Houston was a Denise Richards. And the fact is, is that she was a very, very much a hood girl, just like Bobby's a hood dude. And they had a lot in fucking common. And the idea that he got her hooked on drugs has been long perpetuated when we all know that that her brother went on Oprah and said he was the first person to give her cocaine. He was the one who taught her, her and Bobby how to make crack. He That was him. And also, Whitney Houston was a grown-ass fucking woman, and she made her choices. That's what I'm going to say about that. But I will say this. Some of the shit Bobby writes, besides fucking a ghost, is ridiculous. And I believe he believes it, but I don't know why he wants me to believe it. In the movie, and again, I've talked about this scene before. In the movie, Bobby is cooking crack, sniffing heroin, drinking Cavassier. Guys, did I ever tell you I dated a man and uh, his son's name was Cavassian? can't see me. I'm just blinking. Anyway, Cavassier and a beer. He was doing all that, cooking crack. Uh, He was also smoking uh, a joint with crack in it. And he has a seizure or a heart attack or something. He falls to the ground. And in the scene, Whitney is calling from the bedroom, where's the crack? (laughs) She comes out there. She gets the crack from him. He has the seizure or heart attack or whatever. He falls to the ground. In this scene, Whitney gets the crack, steps over Bobby Brown, and moonwalks out of the room. <laughs> I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm saying Bobby Brown thinks that happened. <laughs> and I remember when I was watching the movie, my husband was like, oh, what's this, uh, what's this bass on? I said, you didn't just see Whitney Houston moonwalk out of the room with that crack? <laughs> Based on Bobby's story. <laughs> anyway, it's very entertaining. He has great stories. Great stories about being on the road. Great stories about um, his life with Whitney. Great stories about his life growing up in Orchard Park projects in Boston. Awesome stuff. Really entertaining. I don't know if it should be in the fiction section, but okay, fine. We'll call it a memoir. <laughs> but... I would suggest you read it and not listen to Bobby read it. <laughs> terrible. Fucking terrible. I mean, you gotta get used to it after a while, but fucking terrible. <laughs> I feel like I should have recorded a little piece and played it here. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. But the fact is, is that I read a lot, but I just really like audiobooks because I can clean, I can go on my errands, I can do all that. And a lot of my podcasts aren't having are slowing up on episodes and you know how it is. So having an audiobook in my back pocket. And I checked it out from the library, no harm, no foul. Uh so yeah, if you get a chance, Bobby Brown is called it might be called My Prerogative. <laughs> what the fuck is this book called? <laughs> you guys might not even know who Bobby Brown is, but if you don't, I really want you to listen to um I really want you to listen to Dunzo podcast uh, series on Bobby, Whitney, and Robin, um, who Whitney, as a child, not a child, as a teenager, had a relationship with, and a sexual relationship. They dated, and then they stopped when she 
really started getting big, but she was an assistant and she ended up becoming like a tour manager. Like she became, she, she worked with Whitney for a long time after that and had like interpersonal, like listening to Robin's book and then listening to Bobby's. Sometimes they're telling the same story from different perspectives. And that's really interesting because you know, you know, two things can be true at once. I mean, oh, it's called Every Little Step. <laughs> That's what it's called. It should be called My Prerogative. <laughs> anyway, I just told you guys how little time I have and how I've got a bunch of stuff going on. And I'm wasting time talking about Bobby Brown's book. But it is so terrible I had to do it. Let's talk Growing Up Gotti. We're on season one, episode seven, The Godmother. There are only 11 episodes in this season, so... Let's see if I can do math real quick. <laughs> Besides this episode, I have four more to go. And then I'm going to do the catching up special as a bonus episode. So we got about five more episodes in this season of Buy Pumpkin. And after that, we're going to do some something else. I've got some ideas on the table. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about that later as some changes are happening around here. Uh, I got to figure out what the changes are. But <laughs> I know there are going to be some. And then as soon as I figure out what it is, I'll tell you all about it. But uh, this episode's called The Godmother. And this episode is very much like a hodgepodge episode. You ever watch the Kardashians and you get to an episode where like eight things happen and none of them have anything to fucking do with each other? And you're like, oh, this is just like extra film they had. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we don't know what to do with this. So we'll put them all together and it'll just be a busy episode and maybe people won't notice. I always noticed. Kardashians love the fuck with the timeline. And I feel like this stuff that happened here, it's not that it happened weeks apart from each other because they probably were only shooting for four or five weeks. They probably weren't shooting that long. It's the first season of an ep- of a, a series. There's only 11 episodes. Um, you know, like, they probably shot for three weeks, you know? Um, maybe four. But... So it's not that they happen far away from each other. It's just that these things happen and there was just no through storyline. So they put them all together. So we start off with V talking about being a single mom um, and how her kids need discipline, how her father kept her in line by just raising an eyebrow. And they're like, yeah, V. Yeah, Vicky. He was a murderer. (laughs) I don't know if you guys knew that when you were 10, but like, the deference and respect everyone you knew gave him was because he could kill you. <laughs> he, I, I do not understand why she refuses to, to acknowledge that her that her dad killed people. Ugh. Um, they pan to a pic of her dad, and like I keep saying, this is a pic, a picture looking like he he just walked out of a courtroom. Again, I feel like production got these pictures and then put these, like, staged them in her office, in her house and stuff. Why would Victoria Gotti have a picture of her father leaving a courtroom? This is weird. That's her father. She probably has a million pictures of him. Anyway, I'm going to stop arguing about this. So we get a montage 
of the boys acting like wild animals. They are wild animals. They're undisciplined. They, it's, we're going to see this through this episode. We've seen it through other episodes. It seems like Victoria does not discipline them. She is a pushover. She does a lot of yelling. She does a lot. You can't see me. <laughs> I need to do a video podcast. Well, you're missing all these good gestures I'm doing. <laughs> um, I'm doing the mouth with my hand. She's doing a lot of this, a lot of this. But no action, okay? And so they're like uncouth. <laughs> so the montage is them trying to get... Frankie's trying... She's telling Frankie he can't go to the diner at 3.30 in the morning. He's 14. <laughs> He's 14. <laughs> um, Them throwing balls around the fucking house. They're too fucking old for that. Them screaming at each other. It's just... They're just wild fucking animals and I'm not going to go in order because because if we break this down there's like three storylines but it's a 22 minute episode so I'm going to talk about the boys I'm going to talk about um the married chick and then I'm going to talk about Esther so with the boys um Basically, so the next thing time we see the boys, they're in a mall trying to pick up chicks. And they're just, I mean, that mall looks very familiar. If they're at the mall, I think they are. My sister-in-law works at that mall in Nordstrom. And so if you know which mall I'm talking about, go to Nordstrom, look for a woman that looks like Michelle Obama. That's my sister-in-law. I mean, she's not there right now because she doesn't want to get COVID. But (laughs) that mall looks super fucking familiar. And um, so they're trying to get numbers. It's just a throwaway scene of them. They end up meeting some girls. They're like, we're from Ohio. And they've got tons of braces. And and I forget his name, but the kid who's their friend that looks like a, like a, like a guinea pig, <laughs> like a guinea pig on two legs. That kid's like, oh, they got braces though. John's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I feel like production found those girls. I feel like production took him to the mall and said, let's see you get some girls' numbers. A lot of people were blurred out. A lot of people did not sign Sign the release. One woman signed the release. She was like a 40-year-old Spanish lady, as uh, Carmine called her, or John called her. She actually gave her number. They had to bleep it out. She's like, 305. But 305 is a Miami number. So, again... It feels like production took them there, said get some numbers, and did things like walking up to people saying, uh, would you like, could you spend, like, almost like a petition, could you spare a few minutes to talk to the Gotti boys about getting numbers? Because <laughs> those girls looked picked. I don't know. Um, so the next, so, and that's just like a little short thing. What... At some point, John is talking to Carmine. I don't know about going out that night or something. And Carmine just screams, get the fuck out! Really fucking loud. And Victoria hears him downstairs. Because remember, their rooms are kind of like on a balcony type thing. Like, it's real open. So if you're like right outside their rooms by the stairs, like, everyone in the house can hear you. And Victoria gets mad and shit. And... He's all like, what do you mean? 
What do you mean? I was joking and shit. And he changed the curse down the stairs. He was joking around. So if you didn't, if you weren't paying attention, you would miss it. She says, okay, let me think about it. Because she tells him when he's upstairs, she's like, you're staying in and that's it. Um, which seems to be her go-to, like, if you give her, if you, if she's mad at you, you can't go out that night. And so she tells me staying in, when he comes down the stairs, it's when he was like, I was just joking around and shit. And she's, and she's like, okay, let me think about it. Get out of here. Let me think about it. And I'm like, okay, 10 seconds later, it might not be 10 seconds. You know how anything goes. But 10 seconds later, you're like, Even though just 10 seconds ago, I told you you had to stay in because I'm sick of your mouth. I'm sick of you cursing. I'm sick of you screaming in the house. All those things would get on my fucking nerves too. (laughs) But you couldn't even hold it for that long. So he says something like, it's like living in hell or something as he goes up the stairs. And goes back up the stairs and Victoria's like, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth how? What do you mean? All they do is curse at you. And I'm not one of those people that gives a fuck about cursing. I curse all the time. I need to curse less because I have all these fucking toddlers in the house. And they listen to me and they'll repeat after me all the time. You should see them playing with their with their little doll, with their dolls, talking about putting their dolls in timeout and stuff. Oh, my kids love, all my kids love to play mommy and daddy. And the mommy just sits at a computer all the time and does paperwork. It says things like, no, you can't stay up tonight. I have to record. Like, they drag me. They drag me. I mean, they also drag daddy because they, all daddy says is, I'll be back. I got to go to work. Bye. Like, when somebody's pretending to be the daddy, all he says is, bye. Bye. And I was like, accurate. That shit's accurate. I don't know about this mommy, but that daddy is accurate. So, <laughs> so. I'm not, I don't really care that much about cursing. Like, it's not that I think that if you're cursing, like some people were like, if you're cursing, it's because you can't figure out a more creative way to say what you want. No, I'm pretty creative. I just like the way certain things come out. But I know how not to curse too. Like, I don't go in the business situation like, what the fuck up, guys? I'm here in this bitch. Like, I, I know how to speak when I want to be, when I want to. But, so it's not that. It's just that, Carmine and John and Frankie talk to Victoria like she is, I don't know if there are any black mamas listening, but, or anybody who has a black mama listening, but let me, you know what your mama say. Don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends out in the street. (laughs) That's what my mother said it to me a million times, but it was never because I was cursing at her. It was more like I was being sporty with her, had a sporty mouth, you know? Um, or as my mom would say, you talking sporty and like, I would just have a smart mouth and she'd be like, I'm not one of your little friends. Don't talk to me like I am one. And when I was that age, I didn't really understand. Well, I didn't understand what she was trying to say, but I didn't understand how annoying it is to have someone who is completely financially and sometimes physically dependent on you. Like, like these motherfuckers probably don't even do laundry. Like. You are completely dependent on me. So you're not going to talk to me like like I'm some dude you know. I'm actually the only reason you ate dinner tonight. I'm the only reason your little stomach isn't rumbling. So I'm going to act 
I'm going to act in a way that deserves respect and you are going to give it to me. Right? I That's how I feel. And I, I'm just thinking about having grown ass fucking kid, not grown. Cause they're, cause Carmen's 18, but John's 16. And, and I think Frankie's 14. I think they're about two years apart. Maybe John's 17, but they're, they're very close in age. And I'm just thinking about having these big ass boys running around the house being like, what the fuck do you want? What? I'm just saying this shit is like, don't talk to me like that. Like figure out, talk to me, put some respect on my name in this bitch because <laughs> those highlights in your hair were paid for by me. The bleach was paid for by me. Okay. <laughs> so put some fucking respect on my name. I just, I dislike the way they talk to her, but they talk to her because that's the way she wants to be talked to. Um, like I said, they always sound like gorillas. Um, another day they're wearing different clothing, but it's the next scene. So another day they're, they're sitting down to eat like a takeout Italian meal. Um, and she tells the kids, she tells them about Esther, which we'll talk about soon, but she also tells them that, um, some royalty is coming into town and they've been invited. And immediately Frankie says, what do they want of us? <laughs> and she says, well, you need to learn some manners. And they all say they aren't going to do it. And John tries to pronounce etiquette and can't even do that. And I want to roast him for it. But I do that on this podcast all the time. So maybe I shouldn't. And Frankie says, who do we have to impress? And she says, me. He goes, you're not impressed? We don't impress you. <laughs> and by the way, the whole time there, she's talking about etiquette. She's like, you guys need to have some manners, like the manners I taught you. You need a refresher. They're eating out of the containers the food came in. And what I mean by that is like, there's a container with pasta. There's a container with vegetables. There's a container with different things. And Frankie has a plate in front of him that he, that he has spooned the food in, or maybe Victoria did it has spooned the food into the plate and he's eating from the plate. John and Carmine have just picked up the, 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 the containers and are eating directly from it. As they keep saying, they're not going to, they're not going to go to no manners thing and they don't need no manners. And why don't we impress you? Well, cause you guys don't even know how to eat. They remind me so much of my three-year-old, my three-year-old, he feels like every time he talks to me, I think of Joe Pesci. Okay. Think my cousin Vinny. Think Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny with the hand gestures and the talking all loud. And the, he's always, this three year old is always talking to me. He's like, hey, mommy, hey, mommy. <laughs> I was playing in a room and. And Bonnie tried to take this thing from me. I'm like, the thing you have in your hand? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to let her take it, okay? Mommy, I love your hair. We'll be sitting at the table. <laughs> maybe maybe he doesn't really sound like Joe Pesci. I'm just thinking of those, these short, just these mo hand movements and just this very, like, aggressive way of talking all the time. Maybe he sounds like uh, <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. Maybe he sounds like a wrestler. But he, maybe he sounds like the Hulk when the Hulk used to do his thing. Like, he'll be sitting at the table and we'll be eating because he has no table manners whatsoever. 
I mean, he was eating all the time in other places and he's been in other foster homes, but he just doesn't have a lot of table manners. Like, he'll just hold up something and be like, Mommy, can I eat this with my hands? Huh? I'll be like, that's spaghetti, so no. Use your utensils. And he'll just plop his hand into it and then put it on the fork and then eat it and be like, Mommy, this is so delicious. What are these, mashed potatoes? I love mashed potatoes, Mommy. <laughs> Everything is like, so aggressive. Mommy, I want to go outside. Mommy, what are you eating? I want some of that. <laughs> this is, I'm drinking a glass of water, B. And he'll be like, I want some. <laughs> you can't even see me. Again, I need a visual pocket. He's just waving his arms around. Like, I want some of that. <laughs> He's just so fucking aggressive. But... These kids remind me of him, but his excuse is he's three. Like, everything he says is on a 10. Anytime I walk in the house, he's like, Mommy! What are you buying, food? Mommy, is it lunchtime? Is it lunchtime? I'm like, no, B. It's like 5.30. It's going to be dinner real soon. I love dinner! (laughs) You know, actually what he sounds like is fucking Cookie Monster. That's what the fuck he sounds like. See you for Cookie. (laughs) But the the way they're talking and the way they're like, obviously don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're they're all aggressive and their voices sound like animals. Reminds me of the three-year-old, but the three-year-old is three. And the fact that he doesn't know what he's supposed to eat with his hands at dinner is not great. But he has time to work on. These dudes, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, so yeah, the, the etiquette expert, later in the episode, the etiquette expert arrives. Um, and I just want to say that any etiquette expert that is asked to be on a reality TV show knows they're coming for bullshit. There has never been a producer from a reality TV show that calls an etiquette expert and it's going to go... As planned. Either you're going to show up and it's going to be, uh, either you're going to show up and it's going to be the girl from Flavor of Love or it's going to be these dudes. And also her name is, uh, Hilke Klinkenberg. <laughs> if your name is Hilke Klinkenberg, listen, people are going to call you for some bullshit. So she gets there. She's an older blonde lady, um, thin, big glasses. And as she starts, Carmine yells, shut up, or something similar. The closed captioning didn't pick it up. And Hilke's like, oh my God. And he says, oh no, I'm talking to my mother. (laughs) Shut up. It's fine, I'm talking to my mother. (laughs) Anyway, it's just... It's exactly what you expect. They're just sitting there. They're not paying attention. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're grunting. They're doing all kinds of crazy fucking shit. And the etiquette lady is kind of getting over it. They're being rude to her. They're they're performing for the camera, but they're also just assholes. Like, this is why I don't, I can't be a teacher. Like, I can't, already I'm a bad, I'm not good at teaching, but, but like, I'm certainly not going to try to fucking teach you if you don't even want to be here. Like, 
I would probably get spoken to by the principal, like, Princess, you cannot send half your class to the principal's office every day. I'm like, they, they weren't paying attention. They had to. Gave me a look. They're out of here. It's like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, there's no way I would subject myself. I don't know what they're paying, but there's no way I would subject myself to these wild fucking animals for any amount of money. At the end, um, At the end, Victoria does a voiceover as she's leaving that goes, all right, four eyes, it's clear your mind tricks won't work with my boys. Mind tricks? Was she supposed to fucking hypnotize them? She was coming to refresh them on manners. They acted like wild animals and refused to even speak to her, except for when they were calling each other morons. Get out of here. And then four eyes, why are you insulting her? I mean, it's a really, it's a really bullshit um, insult. I mean, I'm sure it didn't hurt her feelings. But can you imagine watching this back and being like, why is she talking like that about me? I didn't do anything to her. All right, four eyes. <laughs> um, they were like literally yawning in the middle of her. instruction or whatever um so what she says is that the kids can actually be very sweet when they know how and um sometimes they need to be reminded or something like that so she takes them to john Gotti's grave and the kids are very reverent there i mean there are dead people there but <laughs> I mean, they aren't throwing shit at each other and calling each other morons. They're reverent. I mean, it was it was a five-second clip, so who knows what they did after that. But Victoria's voiceover is basically like, um, you know, my man, my whatever you think about John Gotti, he was these kids' grandfather, and they would never act up in front of him. Yeah, because he was a murderer. <laughs> He'd kill them. <laughs> He'd have Sammy the Bull come kill them. So, and also, so Victoria, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to get John got his corpse and drag it around with you, and and hope that if the kids see it, they'll they'll be like, oh, let me stop acting up. Granddaddy's here. I I don't think she's a good parent. <laughs> okay, so that's the, that's the end of that through line. So now let's talk about. I'm sorry if you guys can hear my paper flapping. I've been taking paper notes lately, and it's been incredibly helpful. I don't know why. I, I feel like I've been taking better notes, but whatever. Um, I let's talk about Esther. This is the no. You know what? Let's not talk about Esther. Let's talk about because we're talking about Esther last. Let's talk about Aida because the th the theme of this episode. Well, it's not even a theme because the because the the boys section didn't go with this theme. The theme they tried to do, which is why they get a C on this paper. If this was a paper, um, if this was like an English paper somewhere, they, they would have gotten a C on this. Um, the theme is that Victoria finds herself to be the godmother. Okay, uh, as a play on the Godfathers, that people ask her for things, they ask her for advice, they ask her for um, they reach out to her. 
again, it feels like they had a lot of scraps of filming they put together here. So her friend Aida comes over to talk about her impending divorce. Aida is a beautiful name. I I love that. It's 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 a really pretty name. I'm sure it's spelled like Ada or something like that, and people mispronounce it all the time, but fine. Um it's it's just a beautiful name to me. And the girl is beautiful too. She's very young. I wonder how she knows Victoria. Victoria's like my friend. I'm like, this girl is too young to be in your friend stratosphere. She looks like she's 25. I don't know. Maybe she's a cousin of somebody or so. I don't know. But, I, but Aida's talking about her divorce and basically that her husband asked her for a divorce and she doesn't say the reason why. She says the reason is stupid. Um, and that he's been selling property and he's gotten rid of all her cars and left her with the truck and she feels like she's got to get lawyers involved and she's come to the show wants us to think she came to Victoria for advice on lawyers. So she tells Victoria all this and Victoria goes, didn't I tell you about a prenup? Didn't I tell you? She goes, I didn't sign a prenup. You told me, Victoria's like, you told me you were in love. You thought I was crazy when I brought up the prenup. And I just like, oh, I didn't sign a prenup. She's like, exactly. I wanted you to because, um, because, um, you know, you got to get something. They'll say you get something in there. Like, and now who knows what's going to happen. And I'm like, well, way to go, Victoria. That's what she needs right now. She needs your, I told you so as a world class know-it-all. I love a good, I told you so much. I found people don't like it when you do that, especially when they're already down. Like, Aida sound, sounds like she's about to prepare for, like, a really hard, a really messy, hard divorce. And what she doesn't need to hear, like, she, what, are you gonna, are you, are you gonna get her a time machine so she can go back in time and fix it? You can't? Okay, so what's the purpose of this? Like, just to make her feel bad? By the way, I believe in time. I believe in prenups too. Um, I I don't know if New York's a community property. I don't even know if Aida's from New York or was resides in New York. Um, so who knows? But I believe in prenups too. When you have something to lose, I don't. I don't think prenups are plans to get divorced. Um, but I mean, no one's surprised by that. I am very much a get the fuck out of there type of girl. So I like that a prenup is just. You get this and I get this and we'll call it a day and we'll just put this away. And if something happens, then we know how we're going to handle it from now. But it seems like he's he's that he's going to hide assets and shit. And Victoria did say something I liked and that I believe. And that is that you don't know anybody until you break up with them. And I believe that to be fucking true. You don't know anybody until they're mad enough. Until they're that fucking mad. And when they're that fucking mad, they do all kinds of shit to you. Um, or they could do all kinds of shit. I mean, they also might be a wonderful person that's just like, no, I'd like to leave this with dignity. But you know what? 
I think people care less and less about dignity these days. But anyway, so they have that conversation. It's very short. Again, they just threw that in. Um, oh, she goes, at the end she goes, but you know what? You need to worry about moving forward. Okay? And like my father would say, we can't go five seconds without hearing about fucking Victoria's father. Like my father would say, you put on a red dress, you go out. <laughs> Victoria, your father was trying to establish an alibi. <laughs> That's what he was. He was like, I was definitely wearing a red dress and I was out when this murder was committed. <laughs> Again, your father's a murderer. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So now let's talk about Esther. So the first time we hear about Esther, it's a letter, a letter that has appeared, I guess, at Victoria's job, which makes sense because why would someone have her home address? So in this letter, she says she gets letter all the time asking for money, asking for, for her to whack people, <laughs> asking for all kinds of stuff. Because Victoria, remember at this time, Victoria has written like a couple of books about mob life. Um, she has a, you can't see me, I'm doing bunny ears, a quote unquote column at Star. I just don't think that she, <laughs> I'm sure she worked at Star, excuse me, I'm sure she had a contract position at Star, um, a 1099 position. I'm sure, I'm sure it did not pay for her entire life. And the reason she makes, tries to make us believe that, she, that she's a reporter. Okay, okay. Prove me wrong, guys. Prove me wrong. But um, she's a reporter. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> I just, she is a public figure. And and being from New York, being from Brooklyn, being, living in, even Long Island is really far from Brooklyn, by the way. But um, being from New York, living in Long Island, living in this area, living in this culture, she is a public figure. People know who fucking Victoria Gotti is. So, so I understand that people contact her and they know she works for Star and you can send things in the Star, right? So basically the, the letter ask her for help, um, Before that even happened, she talks about an email asking for, someone just emailed saying, I saw a prayer card with your father's face on it. Could you get me one? And, which is the worst when people contact you because they want something from you and they butter you up and then they ask you for something that's completely inappropriate. Like a, a prayer card for her, for, from her father's funeral. She said that they were, I mean, I don't exactly know what a prayer card is, but they referenced the funeral, so I'm assuming it's at the funeral. Um, it's something that's connected to the funeral. Probably it was at the church at the funeral. She said that, that people were taking them by the handfuls and selling them on eBay. And she's just going to email this person and say she does she can't get it. She doesn't have it anymore. But she's saying she, she will never give up the one she has anymore. She keeps them close. So then there's a letter. This is a letter from Esther asking for her to come to her the apartment. The fact that they even pulled this letter out is for this show. There is no way Victoria gets emails all the time and letters all the time that say, can you come to my apartment? I got to talk to you about something private. And then she calls them. 
It's it's that's not true. So there's a there's a um a phone a phone number at the end of it, and she makes Jen call. Remember, Jen's the assistant. Even when she's telling Jen this, Jen's like, "Why? What for? What what do you want me to find out?" Like she doesn't go. I mean, she's not Frankie. She doesn't go. What for? <laughs> but she essentially is like, "Why do you want me to call this person?" And she's asking follow up questions and. Victoria's like, just find out what they want. <laughs> so, like I said, this is for the fucking show. This is not anything that Victoria would be doing if she was not being filmed. So Jen calls. It's Esther who says that she wants to talk to uh, Victoria personally. It turns out that Esther believes someone is burglarizing her apartment and thinks V can help her or refer her to somebody. And... Victoria is like, contrary to belief, to popular belief, I don't know anything about burglary, which I don't know why popular belief will let people know that she knows something about burglary. Maybe it's because of her family connections, but I'm just like, what do you think Victoria's going to do about all this? Um, as soon as the, they were reading the letter, I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. And then as soon as Jen got on the phone with her, I was like, oh, Esther's a kook. You know, like, the type of person... I just finished uh, recording this John and Kate Plus 8 episode. The type of person that would email Kate and ask if they could have one of the kids. Or email Kate and say something like... Having one of the kids is crazy. But, like, something like, Hey, you know, I have a pool at my house. And you could drop off Aiden and Alexis anytime you want to. And they could... They can ride. They can play in the pool. Like something that seems fine if you weren't a stranger who saw me on TV and then sent me a letter. Something that if you you think you know me and you don't type shit. <laughs> so, but she's a kook. She's the type of person that sends John Stamos letters calling him Uncle Jesse. <laughs> And John Stamos puts him in a little file for later when he needs a restraining order against you. You know, so anyway. V says she's a writer. If she, if Esther needs something written, then she can help her. <laughs> but that's it. Alright, so. After some consideration, Victoria ends up calling Esther. And Esther starts by talking about her back pain. <laughs> then she calls Victoria Gloria several, several times throughout the call. This all sounds like kook material to me. And then finally, apparently she even knows the burglar. She says this all started with a yard sale where she was having a yard sale and some stuff was in the trash or something. She told, asked the man she could have the stuff in the trash and she could sell at the yard sale. And he took a great offense to that. So now he's apparently been breaking in her house. <laughs> Again, a kook. Okay. Um, and that encompasses, a kook encompasses all types of stuff. People with mental illness, people with personality disorders, just somebody that's like a little off and you're, and you should probably let you should probably not involve yourself in it if you can avoid. 
there's when I worked at Shoney's, I used to work at Shoney's in college. There was a guy that would come in pretty weekly, and he'd be riding this bike with all these flags on it. And he'd get out, and he'd always ask for me. And he'd sit at the back table and have a full-on fucking conversation with nobody. He'd be talking to another person. He, he, I, it might have been multiple people. Nobody else wanted to wait on him. I didn't want to wait on him because I didn't know what those fucking people were telling him about me. They might have been like, get her. <laughs> but I did wait on him because he would ask me to wait on him. I don't know. Again, you could have a mental illness. Anything could be going on. He could have a, a drug issue where he's having psychosis. He could just, but I call, I classify all that in kook. In kook. That's what I classify it in. And I don't mean to stigmatize mental illness. Obviously, you guys, I talk about very plainly about mental illness, about um, my experience with it. I also know that if you don't have no business being involved in some shit like that, you need to leave it alone. I know that sounds crazy coming from me because I I believe in volunteerism. I believe in helping when you can. I am exactly the type of person that's walking down the street and sees an elderly man trying to cross the street with his groceries and stops and helps him. Yeah, but also I know better than to go try to fix somebody and to go get get fall down a long rabbit hole into wherever the fuck they are and be, and just get myself involved because a lot of things don't a lot of times I need to mind my own fucking business and there's something when we go see Esther because Victoria agrees to go to Esther's house when we go see Esther there's a part of me that's like you guys are taking advantage of this woman of course she agreed to film of course and she's saying all kinds of uh, things that don't make a lot of sense. And you guys are just filming away. And you're going to put her on TV so everyone can laugh at her. And also there's another part of me that's like, you don't know that she does, you don't know that she's making all this stuff up or that she's imagining all this. What if this is really happening? But still, I still feel, I, there's a part of me that feels like they took advantage of her. All right, so like I said, she agrees to go over there. Um, but the re oh, the reason Esther calls her is because she saw an article where Victoria Gotti, and she quotes the article that says, Victoria Gotti knows the whole wide world. And that's why she thinks, that's why she keeps saying refer, you know everyone, you know the whole wide. That's because she read she read that in an article about Victoria Guy. Again, another sign. She's a kook. Leave her alone. So even though she agrees to go later, at this point, in this scene, she tells Jen. She kind of lets Esther off, like, I really don't have any experience in that, yada, yada, yada. 
can't really do anything about that. And then goes and she and she lets her down easy and then hangs up the phone and turns to Jen and says, Don't get me involved in anything crazy like this again. As if it was Jen's idea. Jen literally was like, Why do you want me to call this person? But Victoria, you know what? Victoria's a bad boss. Victoria's a bad mother. Victoria's a bad boss. I'm sorry. And I, th- I think sometimes when you tell say that somebody's a bad mother, it means you people interpret that as they don't love their kids or they're mean to their kids. No, I don't think she's like that. I think she's not a parent. She is definitely not in charge in that fucking house. And she's not parenting anybody. Um... Many of the books and stuff I read and the and the philosophies I follow in terms of parenting talk about punishment versus discipline. Punishment is I want you to feel some pain for the thing you did. And discipline is comes from the word disciple, which basically means to train you up or to teach you. Um, disciple is like students. That's what it means. And discipline is supposed to show you and teach you the ways of the world, what I want to show you, how I want to raise you. I'm, I'm showing you how to follow that way. Punishment is about like hurting you in some way. And when you come at things from a way of disciplining, it's not about, you take a lot of emotion out of things. So I'm not going to spank you so that I can hear you cry so that I can, so that that makes me think, oh, well, they learned their lesson. I'm also not going to take things personally. Like discipline is on a higher level than punishment. Okay. And really my job is to teach you. And I don't think that was a long way to go around that. (laughs) I think parenting, the job is to teach you is to be your first and greatest teacher. And that's so funny that I'm saying that after after screaming into this mic on my bonus episodes about how much I don't want to homeschool my kids and how I'm not a fucking teacher and teaching is a profession and pulling out some worksheets does not make me a teacher. <laughs> it doesn't. Do you, to be a teacher, you need experience. You need education. Teachers teachers go through a lot of fucking education to do what they do. They... I don't know why people think they're just reading from the answer book and that's teaching. No, they have to design curriculums. They have to work with different learning abilities and different learning styles. Like they have classroom management is something like teaches a big fucking deal. <laughs> but in a way, a parent is your first and greatest teacher. They show you what the world is. They show you how to react to things. They show you how how this works, and they set a foundation for you for life. Do I think Victoria is doing that? Yes, in a bad way. <laughs> Your kids are terrible. And I'm not saying they don't grow up to be fine young men. I watched the Grown Up Gotti uh, special, and they seem fine. I mean, do they seem a little douchey? Yes, but they seem a little douchey when they were teenagers too. And it's not all Victoria's fault. It's the environment they, were growing up, they grew up in. So... So I think she's a bad mother. I think she's a bad parent. And I think she's a bad boss too. Why Why is she always making everything have to be Jen's fault? You told Jen to call that lady. <laughs> Shit. But like I said, at some point, Victoria decides to go to Great Neck. 
to see Esther. And when she gets there, Esther's an old lady, a little old lady. She offers Victoria OJ, and she says, Melon, that's so sweet, or something like, sweet like candy, or something like that. And Victoria says, no, thank you. She asks for tap water. So uh, Victoria notices that she has a ton of tchotchkes everywhere, and Esther tells her they're all broken. She keeps picking up things and being like, this is broken, this is broken. And she implies that the man broke into the house and is breaking things. Um, she shows her a pair of broken shoes. She's like, this one has a heel, this one doesn't. The man broke the shoes. She shows her some panties that say love on them. She goes, and he came in here and he stretched out these panties so that, that my panties can fall down and, and I'll look crazy. And Victoria goes, Victoria goes, those are your panties with love on them. Those are sexy or whatever. And little Esther is like, take them. These are yours. And gives her the panties. I don't know if she's been wearing them or not, but she gives them to Victoria. And last, she shows Victoria some teeth. She says, well, what about this? He left this in my home. Some teeth. They, are they dentures? They, they look rotted. And dentures don't rot because they're not teeth. Um, and they don't like a whole set. They're like partials. I don't know. They look rotted. But she claims the man broke it and left those there. Um, she, she even brings, she's like, he left this explicit sex book. What do I need to know about sex? My husband's dead or like, I don't need to know, know anything about sex. <laughs> Then at one point they walk by and she's like, no one's, nobody's touching the melon. It hurts me. She's talking about production. There's a, you know, so there's a producer, maybe two in there. There's a sound guy. There's a camera guy, maybe two in there. <laughs> no one's touching the melon. <laughs> so this is pretty much the end. Victoria says, because she mentions to her, maybe you need a camera. Okay, so you can see. What's, what's happening? And she mentions the security, like connecting with her security team. And Esther's like, is this going to be a low cost or no, is this going to be a moderate cost or a very high cost or very expensive, something like that. And Victoria's like, no, it's all on me. And she's like, oh, God bless you. God bless you. And that's it. Victoria leaves. And in the voiceover, she says she's not, she's still not sure what's happening, which I'm like, did you get the cameras? Did you <laughs> did you not see what was happening? <sighs> I, I hope they didn't leave the house and not get cameras for fucking Esther. I hope not. I hope not. <sighs> but she's got the panties. Victoria's got the panties. So there you go. That's the end of the episode. Guys, thank you for listening. Um, remember to join the Patreon. You're getting a ton of bonus episodes. I uh, I am finishing recording this at 1.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. And in about 12 hours, I'm going to record a John and K Plus 8 episode with Liz. You guys know me and Liz get on like gangbusters. <laughs> Why am I talking like that? <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's going to be a long episode. I'm sure we're going to laugh a lot. So join the Patreon. It's only a buck a month. I'd love to have you there. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you guys next week.